All right. So actually tonight at uh, one of my classes, I was talking to a guy I've become friendly with. He's a Christian fellow. And so we're talking. He was telling me about this girl in his congregation, this woman in his congregation named Sarah. And uh, he's like, she was Jewish, and never she converted. And then she, then he, then he starts telling me as I, he, she converted. It, like such a strange thing for a Jew to like. It's hard to even think about. And he, uh, and he says, yeah. And the strange thing is that his her parents are atheists, but they cut her off for a year because because of this. Right. And then I thought about there's a there's actually a famous Woody Allen Allen. A clip where Woody Allen has been an atheist his whole life and then he goes to his parents and he tells his parents that you know I'm converting to Catholicism and they like have this mental breakdown like and it's okay for them to be it's okay for their kid to, to be an atheist but to like convert to Catholicism it's uh, so the, the pieces that I'm gonna that I brought here tonight from a cook he has this beautiful idea that there's, there's a thing called the kfira of a non-Jew and kfira of a Jew. That the kfira of a Jew is something that's different than the kfira of a non-Jew. The kfira of a Jew is, is that they understand that ultimate truth is so, uh, like, bilti mukval. It's like just totally unconstricted that any type of formulation of any type of idea is uh, is like mechur to them. It's something that they can't handle. Anytime you try to put anything that has to do with truth into words, he, he says that the neshama just says, no, it's, it's ultimately not true. So the, the neshama of a Jew will reject any type of formulation of truth. Um, and for me, this was a... When I read this piece by Rav Cook, it was, uh, it was like really... It was like liberating, li- liberating because... For years, you know, when I started becoming like very serious about Yiddishkeit, all of a sudden I went from this way of thinking where, you know, I'm going from question to question to question, and then, you know, I hit yeshiva, and, and it was like all answers, like everything's answers, and it feels good for a little while for everything to be answers, but then it becomes like stifling, you're like, oh, I know everything, you know, like, close the books, we're, we're good, you know, and the, this like notion of like mystery and, and just sort of going Mikhail Ochail and Machshava, um, becomes shut down. So when I read this piece by Rav Cook, it was extremely validating, this notion that what he writes is that that there's always, there's, there's this talich, like there's this process of going from idea, breaking the idea, and going to a more refined idea. But then that idea becomes smashed, and you keep going. And this started with Avram Avinu. So if you think about Avram Avinu, and he's in a world of idolatry, he's going around and smashing idols. So he's basically, you know, in his time, what is he? He's like the first, you know, it's, uh, you know, but he's like the first atheist because nobody knows what comes after idolatry. You have idolatry, and this is what, like, elocus is to the people. And then Avram comes along and smashes it, and what's left for them? There's, there's like, nothing. There's, like, this, there's this vacancy. And, and you replace it with, with, um, with monotheism. But, but Rav Cook writes that this process keeps going. Um... And so for me, this was like a liberating idea, this notion that we can have our concepts broken down and then rebuilt and broken down. It's an ongoing process of... Rebuilt, you mean refined? Re- sorry? You mean refined or, or rebuilt? I'm trying to... Yeah, refined. <laughs> okay. It's even some, It could be something completely different. You know, It's not really clear how it happens. But 
yeah, we'll see. In one of the sources, he compares it to like life and death. There's like a, a birth, and the Rabbi Nachman comes in, compares it to like a birth and then a death, a birth and a death, of these, these ideas of these machshavas that just are born, and then they have to go. You enter into darkness, and then you come out with like, a, I don't know if it's new or if it's a refined or if it's, but it could be something completely new. But I think the, his writing, Rav Cook's writing, is, is uh, clear enough. So let, let's take a look. So he's talking about uh, different types of shemos of Hashem. He says, "Gam kol shemos vekinuim ben ha ivrim uben haloazim in namnot nim kiim nitzos katan vekhem meor hatzafun shanisham shokekes lo veomeres elokim." So, any name of God, we, we generally think like, okay, we have something. We have the names of Hashem. Any name of Hashem, he says, is really just a, uh, like a ray of light, and it doesn't actually give. Full expression to what the what the neshama wants. Kol hagdara belokus mevia lideik fira. Any type of hagdara when it comes to Hashem, he says brings about kfira. Hagdara he alilus ruchanis. Afilu hagdaras hasechel ve'aratzon. To even talk about Hashem as being sechel or ratzon. Afilu halokus atzmav. Hashem elokim hagdarahi. Any anything. Is a hagdara. Anything that we say about Hashem is a hagdara. And the important point here is that it's mevili de kfira. Like if you any anytime you put anything into words, it's mevili de kfira. Um, let's go to the next paragraph. Va'afim yomar kol ayom kulo she'amunazu he be'Hashem echad he milareka. So even if you're running around saying all day Hashem is one, Hashem is one, Hashem is one, Rav Cook writes, it's it, it could be an empty word. Because you're putting it into words, and she'ein haneshama yodat mimena klum. Ultimately, even when we say Hashem is one, we don't know what that is, and so we could put it into words, and then what we what we're doing is uh, is we're, we're making a getter, and it's and Rav Kook calls it um, uh, Rav Kook calls it mila uh, reka. Okay, so go to the bold. La kirat hasigim shehem rak chotzitzim bein haadam ubein or eloke emet. So what Rav Kook saying here is that when when these when you have kfira coming and saying you say this it's not true you say this it's not true he says when kfira comes and tears down a concept in uh, in, in <coughs> even in Torah he says that kfira allows for tivne dat elokim that that dat elokim can be built upon. That vacancy, because what what it's doing is it's tearing down um, a presence that's actually not true. It, it might be the best we have, but it's tearing down a presence that's not true, and then it's actually opening up room for uh, for for true das elokim. So it's just specific to understanding Hakadosh Baruch Meaning it's not it's specific that you can't understand Hashem. Okay, so see, he's, he's talking for sure about Hashem. It's an easy one. Okay. Um, and that's what I sort of wonder, how far does this go, you know? And he's, obviously, yeah, he's very specific. Right now it's talking about Hashem. Yeah. But he's not talking about anything else. In okay, so in the next one he gives an example of what Torah Minah means, right? So says people can get very caught up in what Torah Minah is, and we sort of imagine this happened and that happened, and he says all of that's just a Hagdara. It's, it's some sort of formulation of something that in the end is ultimately beyond us, something that we can't understand. So this, this, now let's look at this next passage. She says, Yesh kfira shihi There's a kfira which is actually like a validation. 
So the kfira itself is actually validating something. The hoda'a shihika kfira, and there's a validation, there's a, a hoda'a that's actually like kfira. Kate said, Somebody admits that Torah is mina shemaim. This shemaim that he's talking about is such a weird shemaim. So this concept that this person has of what shemaim is actually is like uh, it's like it's not true at all. Kate said. Uh, the kfira shehi kehoda'ah, ketzad. So what's kfira that's actually a hoda'ah? A kfira that is actually a way of admitting something true. Kofer adam b'torah min ha'shamayim aval kfira tomi, you said it, rak al otah ha'klita shekalat min ha'tziyur. So somebody denies the, the Torah min ha'shamayim, but the reason they're denying Torah min ha'shamayim is because the, the description they've been given of Torah min ha'shamayim doesn't fit what they know is really... What, what, what's really capable, what, what's really possible for, for, for Torah. So they say, you're describing in such a silly way that it can't be true. Uh, there's a famous story about the Lubavitcher Rebbe, I think it was the Lubavitcher Rebbe, where somebody went up to him and said, I don't believe in Hashem, and, Hashem, and, and the Lubavitcher Rebbe said to him, the same, the same Hashem that you don't believe in, I also don't believe in. The idea is, is that people have these concepts of what Elokus is. They have these concepts of what, what Torah Mina Shemaim is. They have these concepts of what Torah is, and then, and, and then they deny those. And the reason they're denying those is because they realize that what's actually available for the neshama is beyond what those, what those things are being offered to them. So it's like these literal definitions of the Bible, the fundamentals Christians have. <clears throat> so you have thinking people say, that's silly, that's archaic. You know, that's not, science doesn't prove that, and... And so, therefore, I can't believe in, in the Bible. And, and you know, Yidin will say, yeah, that's ridiculous. So their, their version of, of literal, you know, it says we have Chazal, we have, there's so much more, the Torah Shabbat has so much to find. Shabbat Yeah, so, 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 so that type of thing, which is to take that stuff literally without Chazal, without Torah Shabbat is, this sounds ridiculous. Right, right. So, so, so the, I mean, the, the idea here is, is that, the more, well, what Ruff Cook's saying is that the, the more descriptive it becomes, the, the, the less closer to the truth it is. So any description that's being provided, and, he, and what's, what I think is radical about what Ruff Cook's saying here... He's saying is the that more descriptive, or he's saying the more literal. that you try to give it um, borders and yeah. definitions and... The more confined. It that, is. That's what the description does. Right. Yeah. Description by definition is going to be gathered something. Unless included in the description is is the room for growth and way beyond what's what, what you're describing. Then. Right. I don't know. No, you have to because the Torah describes something is for sure. Emma. So the Torah says there was a mountain and Hashem came down on the mountain. Then that's for sure true. What Cook's saying is you can't confine it to that. You have to recognize that there is there is a peak. way beyond that. So that's why I brought the text because. You know, I don't want to say what Rav Cook's saying here, but the, the words are there, and I guess it's it's uh, this piece. I think is food for thought. I, words I think very, the words are very defined. I don't know if we can find it. Yeah, that's, there you go. Rav Cook also. Yeah, it's true. Good point, man. So, so I, I think that's why I, I, I quoted this whole thing because I think it's an unbelievable piece. But obviously, it could be dangerous, and it could be you know you're you're really teetering on some some shaky ground when you start talking about well, names of Hashem are not really. You know, and then Torah Minishamayim, and we can get confused. I think it's a, it's an amazing text for there to be, just to see, and and 
in and of itself, it can it can sort of open up pathways for I us. I thought what he meant was that if, if you think that's all there is, then it could lead to fear. That's what I thought. And the, it means more than that also, more like, like what you were saying. But I think that I thought that was the main... Yeah, what I take from it, and I could be right, what I'm taking from it is that it's any, like you said, gvul. Right. Any gvul. And, and so, I mean, it opens up a question about what the words of Torah actually mean when the Torah is using words, and that's gvul. So, that, so what is that's that? That's what Shmuel was saying, that there is something literal to it. I mean, that, that's pardes, right? In pardes, you're going to have right. pshat. So pshat, it has to be literal, right? Like Shmuel said, there's a math, and there was a story, these people right. existed. Well, if you think right. that's then, all there right, is, If you think it's limited by that, right. then you're really short-sighted in what the depth of Torah is really all about. Right. Then there's also it's ignoring the, the other three parts of pardes. Right. But there's, there's also... You know, ways of describing that Dabur Torah Adam, where it's not literal, but it's in the Torah. I'm saying, you know, ways. Right, that's like there's Yad Abu Kid, right? So they, that we know. But that's a perfect example of Mirror of Kukka saying. So there could be a Haidah. Yeah, yeah, I, I admit uh, that it's, uh, Hashem has a Yad. If a person says that and he thinks that it's a literal thing, then that could be like a Kfira. Right. right. That, that's the that classic like example. example. Yeah, that's the Rambam. Too, the Rambam, right, like he, right. you know, the Rambam is the one who, who gives him the ability to start talking like this. Right. But. But again, uh, yeah. Isn't that in a gift of one's way to help Macha about pictures of the goddess? Right. That's exactly well, what he, he, he was saying. Is you can't, when you define it that well, way. pictures of anything of the obvious. Imagine yeah, taking a picture, picture, picture of the obvious. Messiahs want to make a picture of the obvious. Oh, yeah. Back, and my father has a father wrote a poem. Yeah, father, <laughs> father. Shul Sukkah used to have pictures in it. Right. So I like that. They're, they're the oldest seven. seven. So my father made a, made a chumash, and he he spoke to many. Then they all said, "Maseri is not to put pictures of, of the Abbas. Right. Anyone before Mantera said because it's limits confining them to this also to this limited surah. Right. That's what it looks like. Right. After Mantera, yeah. So I think I th- I'm pretty sure he was only to the point that I, I, I know that for me the sure. the whole uh, that whole that that whole machlokus about you know sheishis me bereishis and that whole thing that happened you know years ago. For me, that shook me not because I was like, "Oh, science is invented." It was like, well, "Like we're gonna, we're all gonna know exactly what took place." Like we're all walking around like the scientists; they know exactly what happened and changed. And then everybody who's saying that they're wrong, like you know, like so, so you have like a, a one parsha which is like, clearly this has to apply to that. You know, that, that that's my separations. That's my separations. The Ramban's talking about, and we're all running around saying you're wrong about this and you're wrong. And to me, it was like. Is it so like? Is it so important? This is what it is. We're yeah, worshiping. That, that's like where the, I think what is saying comes in because is describing Hashem. When Hashem he did, he said he did something in the world, and people want to take that literally. Right. They have every right to take that literally. Sure, sure. They, so you can take it literally, but the this notion that 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 these words are not enough. They're too defining. I know, but still, the, the literal Torah is not in 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 what's Yeah, yeah. All right, so so look, I mean, again, I, I don't want to say more than Rav Cook. That's for Sheldon. Like this is you know the pieces here. But he's talking about Mat- he's talking about Matan Torah here, and he's not saying there is a mountain or there is a mountain. No, but my my point there, my example there is, if you were to fight with somebody about whether there was a mountain or there wasn't a mountain, I'd be like, isn't there more than than just the mountain? Like maybe there was, you know, if you're gonna have a big fight about a mountain, I'm like. To me, Matan Torah is so much greater than just the presence of it. Once you stop being literal about things. Maybe more. Right. So, let's, let's keep reading. Mikol makom, like the last line in this bold here, Mikol makom zu kahoda'a, hi chashuva. Hi holeches umikareves lahodas emunas omen. Right? So, this type of fear which tears down our common concepts, 
actually is a hoda'a and it leads to uh, true emunah. Um, he gets into, I'm not going to read every word, but below he gets into, uh, let's see, let's look at the bold at the bottom. Right, that the way of Rav Hamnuna was to introduce uh, wisdom with shtus. So what's this notion to, bri- to, to introduce wisdom with shtus? So, in order to so that there should be uh, light coming from darkness, you have to have the shtus before. And this this gets into the. I mean, this is a very Hasidic concept. This notion of light coming from darkness. And what Rav Cook's doing is he's applying it to the way we think about divrei uh, elokim. That that this this uh, this this process. And the, here's the point: is that it's a process. It's a process of tearing down and then replacing, tearing down. You're going into darkness, and then you're coming out with light. This is, this is like a very Hasidic notion of going into darkness and coming out with light. And so this breaking down of concepts and being, being like uh, bankrupt. Sorry? Oh, sorry, stop. I was, yeah. I was saying, my understanding of that was that there was light and darkness somehow together, the darkness was mevakalit. Yeah, yeah. And the whole, but then you were mevara it, and the light comes out. So, you're saying, like, why would that make darkness? So that you can put light in it? No, not, so I'm not saying the darkness has purpose, too. But you have to, but, but you have, the whole uh, Bria is, you're being, you're separating things that were, all, that were all mushed into one thing. Right. So, I mean, this is a concept of just the notion of dark, light coming from darkness. That, that it relates to what you're saying. I you know I can't say for sure how, but this notion that that light shining from darkness um, is uh, that's that that's this this idea that you you tear down, you have nothing, and then you have something. You have nothing, and then you have something, and that's that's the the process of of coming to know Hashem. Well, why is he calling it a kfira and rebuilding? Why can't it just be a recognition that I don't understand fully and learning more? So I think when you have that, I, I think when you have that, that um, perspective on it, so I think that's what he's saying. Like, yeah, but but we generally experience that as like a kfira. Like when when you're told everything you know is not true, you 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 don't you don't see it as like, oh, I have you know I'm gonna have something soon. But really, you hit darkness. So the experience of it is like a, an experience of hitting darkness. But, but yeah, that's the process, is that? Right. Right. But and here it's a constant process. Right. Yeah, which is, oh, yeah, 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 I can see that. So he says, So this is what I was talking about with this, uh, this Woody Allen example. And uh, I heard Rabbi Sachs say a similar thing. He was once, I once heard him debating, or he was talking about atheism, and he said that there's Christian atheism and then there's Jewish atheism. He says that Christian atheism is just like angry, whatever. I don't know, you know. But he says Jewish atheism, you could tell that the, that the atheist has a tam, that he's, he's feeling something. And he talks about like the modern Israeli poets and like Shai Ignan. And he says that you could tell that they're, that they're striving for something, that there's something out there. But, but they're not satisfied with what they've been given. This is what Rav Cook's talking about. He says, There's two types of, 
two types of kfira. He says the one of, of there's one type of kfira that just comes from taivas and arrogance and all that stuff, and that's the kfira of the umas olam. And then he says that the second type of kfira is the kfira that comes from the Jews. Um, this is a, the third paragraph on this page. The higher level of kfira is the opposite of, of, of the chumrius type of kfira. It comes from, from this, this potential for the spirit um, who's, that's not, not satisfied with the things it's been taught. It's saying, I'm not happy with what I'm, I need something more tahor, I need something more, something more bilti I want something that can't be described bichlal. Everything that he sees that's being described in, in, and this is where it gets into like, you know, the stuff that you guys are saying, well, what about Torah? He says, anything that's being described in Mikra, Uve Mesoros, Uve Minhag, Uve Kabbalah, Bechol Masha Oleh Al Lev Neeman Beimun Dati Vikishu Rachni, Hakol Huadain Mugbal, Chashuch Bahor. So maybe this is a mistake for this person. I'm not saying we should all become this type of kofir, but the point <coughs> is he's saying that this type of kofira comes from this desire to have something that's bilti mugbal. And, and everything that's being given to this person is mugval, and their neshama knows that there's something, there's something built in mugval, there's something more tahor. Um, he, he, and he quotes some interesting Maimare Chazal over here. He says, that's why at the bottom it's <coughs> underlined, he says, Avodazara shal nochri is nisrefes, because the Avodazara of a nochri gets burnt. Why? Because it comes from this like gas type of type of kfira. But the Avodazara, uh, this is interesting halacha, the Avodazara of a Jew is nignazes. Nignaz, right? Why is it nignaz? So this is, you know, again, this is like a very Ishvitz-like extreme, but because that, that Avodazara, that kfira is coming from a deep place. Now, I'm not just saying this to like, to, to be, uh, um, you well, know, a on, on other people. I think that this has a lot of relevance for us because if what Rubs Cook saying, first of all, is that we go through this process. So he says, and when Mashiach comes, it's going to be different. But in, in, at this point, we don't have a complete seichel. Our, our, our das is not perfect. And so we have to be going from place to place, from one thing to... And we're going to be going through these, you know, times of darkness and times of light. And that's the process of, uh, of, of coming to know Hashem. Um, and this is, a, this is like really rooted. Rabbi Nachman has a lot about this, how you go from knowing to not knowing, to knowing to not knowing. Um, and you can describe it as fear and light, fear and light. Describe it in many ways, but this entering into darkness, you know, he's saying it's a natural thing. This is how it's supposed to be. I have to go from, from one to another. Um, so the, uh, the next source in Likutei Moran, so he, he, you know, time's pretty short. We don't have too long for this. Uh, but uh, Rabbi Nachman describes this as, um, let's, let's just read it. is right? Like a, right? You don't see it. It's Bechinas Ibor. It's like a, a fetus. So this is actually, this is like practical advice that Rabbi Nachman gives, that the way to, to go from one to another, to get out of the darkness, the darkness is when, is what Rabbi Nachman would call Ibor. The, this light that's coming to us is hidden. This knowledge of Hashem is hidden. 
and it's got to come out, it's got to be born. And so Rabbi Nachman says, Az akala adam, a person should, should call out. Bein betfila, bein betora. Keshe nitz'alem hamuchini, ki helem hainu ibur. Kmo isha shetisha kocha meleled, vishashi kora asle led, ramad shivin kalin, vatsakasha adam tsuak betfila so betorato, keshe nitz'alkin hamuchin bebchinas ibur, elu atsokim hem bechinatsakas hayoleda. So he's saying that these types of, these, the, the crying out in tefillah, the crying out in Torah, is that, that that crying out that I guess the energy that you put into it um, is is like a, a woman who's giving birth, and uh, and and in the mochin in, in the machshava that's the way to bring about this these new insights to go to to get enter into those areas where I don't know to cry out and then something else comes to fill it in. Another place Rabbi Nachman says a great way to do this to go from one concept of, of Torah, one concept of, he says, is by teaching. That when you explain something to somebody, like you can be obsessed with a concept for a long time and, and, and you'll be stuck in it. And he says, when you explain it to somebody, all of a sudden what you've done is you've spit it out and you've opened up, and, and this, this I know to be true, when you explain something to somebody, you, you open, you, you get rid of it and you open up your mind to something completely new that just sinks into the mind. And it's like a totally new world sometimes, like there's a new understanding completely. And it's not just because you explained it so you understand it better. Like you just you you get it out of your system and all of a sudden there's space for something else to enter. Um, and it's a beautiful Torah, Reish Mem Hey, he talks about uh, going from uh, going from Chedre Torah to Chedre Torah. You're going from one Chedre of Torah, one room of Torah to another room of Torah uh, and you're always coming into new uh, understandings, and he's, it's, a, it's a piece that's kadai to do on its own. Um, but he says at the end here, it's for, this is Reb Nachman saying, you're not allowed to deceive yourself. You're not allowed to deceive yourself into thinking that you've actually come to a correct understanding. Um, that if you think that you've come to the truth, then chas v'shalom, you're going to end up staying there. And again, this goes back to what Rav Cook's saying, is that you need that type of, I have to be wrong. I have to find out what I'm saying is wrong. And actually, this, the, the analogy he provides is really good. So I'm going to go back to the analogy, the, this Reish Mem Hey. It's a good way of understanding. So he, he, said, he gives the analogy of trying to understand what a person is. Um, you write down the word, Man, Adam. You know that it's hinting to some sort of man about who rak beremez ba'alma. It's just a hint. It doesn't tell you what the guy looks like. It doesn't tell you anything. Some people actually draw a picture of a man. So then you know a little bit more about what this guy looks like. So some people carve it out. So now you get like the 3D. So each time you're going from the word to the picture, to the carving, right? And you're getting closer. It's still not a person. The person is the person, but you can never get to that person. Even when you look at the person, all you're seeing are your images in your mind. You're not actually seeing the person. It's actually impossible to get there. And we don't right? get to ourselves either. No. Yeah. Even the person themselves, through a lifetime. Yeah, right, right. that they know yes. exactly who they are. Right, right? exactly. Yeah. Um, 
the last two points of Rav Menachem Fruman, he's a Rashi Shuvah Tako, he just passed away, he's got some beautiful, like he's really like beautiful pieces that are in the spirit of Rabbi Nachman. Ani tamid omer b'shem Rabbi Nachman sh'amira mukasha al-emunah, the greatest uh, saying of emuna is ayem akom kvodo. When we say ayem akom kvodo, meaning, and the idea here is that we should relate to truth as a mystery. When we relate to Hashem as a mystery, not something that we know, but something that we don't know. And then we're actually what we're always asking is ayem akom, because that's you don't know the person, you never meet the person. You only ask, you try to get closer and closer, but you never actually get there. Efet ribono shalolam geval. And then the last piece from the Meishin Loach. Uh, he says that that uh, let's go to the uh, third last night the Ishbitzer he was a Talmud of the Kutzker and this is actually historically I heard this from uh, Rabbi Moshe Weinberger he was saying that the that the Ishbitzer was a Talmud of the Kutzker and Rabbi Moshe Weinberger sort of hesitantly posited that perhaps the Kutzker's derech of MS 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 the Ishbitzer was perhaps reacting to a little bit when he when he wrote pieces, he says that this is like actually the 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 sort of ishbitz is that lotikom matzeva you shouldn't make an altar right and it goes back to avodah hashem that a person shouldn't be so like fixed in anything even avodah hashem so the avos so say okay, you can read on, but then at the end it says, And this is something that's a little bit lemaisa, that when you have this sort of humility about what I know is what I know, but it's not the ultimate truth, so then you can't be so ba'akshanus with your friend. You can't force somebody to think what you think, even if it seems like what you're saying is 100% true. You're, you think you're 100% right. You know, it says so in the, you know, here, it says it there, it's black and white. He says, you can never be so fixed in, in your concept of truth. Even by Vodas Hashem, that you should be soft with other people. You can't tell people what to think. Okay, so he talks about it somewhere else. Um, with regards to this last point, I think it's a nice idea, this, this notion of a, a kfira of, of a Jew so, and I mentioned Shai Ignon. I found this, this, uh, these lyrics, and I think it really gets to the point. These lyrics from Paul Simon. So Paul Simon is like Simon and Garfunkel, Hello Darkness, My Old Friend, right? Uh, the Sound of Silence. He's a beautiful poet. Um, and, uh, and he has a song called The Afterlife. And at first you hear it, and you're like, I don't know if he's dissing religion or if he's, if he's actually... He's, but he, so he says... Um, he gives this description of the afterlife. He says, you, you know, you die, you go up to heaven, and you're standing there, and, uh, you know, after I died in the make of a dried, I went back to my place, no night moon that night, but a heavenly light shone on my face. Still, I thought it was odd, there was no sign of God just to usher me in. Then a voice from above, sugar-coated with love, said, let us begin. So now the whole song is this guy who's in heaven, and he's got to fill out forms and wait in lines to, uh, to see Hashem, right? And he says... Okay, and you kid in school, got to follow the rules, got to learn the routine. So there's like a, he's like walking around in heaven, you know. He's got like his shoes on and everything. He's filling out forms so that he could finally um, see Hashem. And he sounds like he's making fun of this notion of Olam Haba, which he is. He's like, like, it's ridiculous. You go there with your shoes and your hat and you meet people and all this stuff. And he's like, it's like ridiculous. But then at the end of the song, he, he, gets, uh, he gets quite deep. 
Well, it seems like our fate to suffer and wait for the knowledge we seek. It's all his design. No one cuts in the line. No one here likes a sneak. After you climb up the ladder of time, the Lord God is here. Face to face in the vastness of, of space, your words disappear. And you feel like swimming in an ocean of love and the current is strong. But all that remains when you try to explain as a fragment, fragment of song. Lord is a bebop, a lubop, like he finally he gets there and he's like swimming in this ocean of love and he leaves and he tries to explain it and he can't put any words to it. You're right. That's right. That's the notion of a nigun is that there's no words to it and that's that's actually that, that's the notion of a nigun is that there's it's not mukbal and that's what he's saying or he's he's and this is like the the kfira of a Jew. It's, it's like he wasn't a religious guy and that uh, he's not a religious guy as far as I know. But you see, he's he's getting to something very very deep here. Jewish song he's, he's a Jewish guy exactly it's the kefir of I don't, I don't want to call him a kofer actually it's not nice um, but you see that he's 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 doing exactly what Rav Cook said he's saying look at this you guys think there's this thing called heaven and you're going to go up there and you're going to meet a cute girl in heaven and you're going to see all this stuff and you're going to be walking around filling out forms just to finally see God but then you, he gets to the second part and he's like no but but there's something there's like you can't put words to it it's a bebop a lubop it's a you know it's a niggun but there's no words to it um, and I think that's like a perfect example of what Rav Cook's talking about, that, that there's something guilty in the law. Wow. That's the whole thing with you know, your soul wanting to be a mevatel in its source. Yeah. That this is uh, the whole yeah. the whole uh, urge that if you're a mugga, Thank you all for coming. I know it's late. I'll try to make this fast. If anyone wants to stay late, you can. And I also want to mention that um, this is B'schus Rufua for Rabbi Yosef Elimelech Ben Yehudas. He should have a first name. So this week's Parashat Parashat Chayisara, as we all know. And Parashat Chayisara... Um, consists primarily of two, two main f- focal parshias. The first one being the purchase of the Marasa Machpelah. Avraham Avinu purchased the Marasa Machpelah from Afrin Achidi, uh, and that's followed by the parsha of Eliezer going out to find a suitable wife for Yitzchak Avinu. Now, I want to focus primarily on the first parsha, the 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 sugya of, oh, the sugya of. Um, Avram Avinu buying the Ma'ar Samach Pela. Smenias. Of Avram Avinu buying the Ma'ar Samach Pela from Ephrenachiti. Uh, and I, what I, I just, as a roadmap, I'm going to ask a few questions. I think like three, three or four questions. They're all basically the same, basically getting at the same point. I want to offer Mahalach and try to 
answer up all the questions, and hopefully we'll come out with, with a, a, deeper, a deeper understanding of the whole Indian. So the first question is, very much the question. Avramavinu, ostensibly, what happened? He, his wife was Niftera, he needed to bury his wife, so he bought a piece of land to bury his wife. Right? L'chayr in a nutshell, that's what happened. In, in other words, it was a real estate transaction. Millions of them happen across the world every day. Yet the Tyra, the Tyra Kedusha, where every single letter and we call Tag V'Tag, you could be Darish Tilim Shalachas, expends an enormous amount of psukim detailing this transaction. Meaning the Tyra is clearly insinuating that there, that there's this wasn't Stama real estate transaction. This is something of, of epic spiritual significance. And Tzarechian, what exactly that that possibly could be? To bring out that question in in a little bit of a sharper eifin. We see all the way at the end of the Chumash Barashas, I think it's the Targum Yonison who brings it down, but it's a very famous thing that the Bnei Yisrael at the time, when they were already in Mitzrayim, they left Mitzrayim, they were to bury Yaakov Avinu in the Marasach Pela, and they were met by who, who else? Then the infamous Ace of Arasha. Ace of Arasha doesn't want to let them in, doesn't want to let Yaakov Avinu into the Marasach Pela, and a battle ensues, and Chushan Ben Don can't hear, Chushan Ben Don kills him. That's a story we all know. And it's just, it just struck me as such a, it's such a Pela Tzuma. First of all, Esav Arasha was, he was a Russia. He was over on, on, the, on the Gimel, Chamuris. He was Pashas, he was Kaifer and Tchiyas Hamesim. Why does this bother him so much that Yaakov Avinu should be buried in the Marasach Pela? What, what, is, what does he see in that as so disruptive to his life's mission, which doesn't seem to be spiritual at all? What, what about Yaakov Avinu being buried in the Marasach Pela is so bothersome to Esav? And it's even more than that. There's very, very, okay, this is a very Kabbalistic concept, but Chushim Bendan is a very mysterious character. I think that Rizal points out that Chushim in the Torah, when it says Chushim Adon, it's spelled without a vav, meaning the letters that spell Chushim is Cheshin Yurmem, which is obviously the Oisius Mashiach, right? Chushim ben Don and Don is Shaykh the Mashiach, as we all know, Yaakov, you know, when he was giving the bracha to Don, he said, Lishuaz Chakidis Yashem, Don is Shaykh the Mashiach. Chushim ben Don represented Mashiach somehow, and the Indian of Chushim killing Esau is the idea of ultimately that Mashiach is going to be Mavato, the Klipas Edom. That, that's brought down in Svarmak But it, it just struck me that it's a Pella because the fight was over the Marasach Pela. Wasn't Stama fight? They didn't just start dueling. They were fighting over the Marzach Pela. So it comes out that this like precursor, this like microcosm of the ultimate battle between Mashiach and Edom, what the whole world comes down to, happened at the Marzach Pela, about the Marzach Pela. How like Doverhu, how tremendously significant the Marzach Pela must be, and I want to try to understand what that is. That's question one. Question two is based on this. Let's say Noniach is true. There's something very special about the Marzach Pela. But the Torah is only Megala to, to us in a very specific context. The Torah is Megala to us that the Marzach is very special only because Sarah died. Sarah died. We have to bury Sarah. Oh, so let me tell you something. There's a very special place in the world called the Marzach Pela. Meaning until Sarah died, it wasn't a gea for us to know this. It's not, it meaning its significance, whatever that significance is, is not independent. It's totally in Sarah, Imenu Davka. And, and the Zerah Kaddishkara asks, why did Avram, the Zerah says, why did Avram wait? Till Sarah died to buy the Marzach Pela. Meaning Avraham Avinu must have known that there's something going on in the Marzach Pela. And the Zerah... Especially Adam and Chavah were buried there. Especially Adam and Chavah were buried there. Adam and buried there. And the Zerah, and the Zerah is a very cryptic answer. It wasn't time yet. It wasn't the time. Yeah, it. So we're going to try to explain. So two things. So if we're going to explain what's the God of Marzach Pela and why is it Tali and Sari Menu Davka. Those are two questions. The third question I want to ask, this is my own question really. Um, it's not really Shver necessarily, but it just struck me that Adam and Chavah in the Hishtashlis of Klal Yisrael don't seem to have any. Uh, any role to play at all. We don't mention Adam Chava ever. Not in Tefillah, the Psukim don't mention them. It's as if they like disappeared off the pages of Jewish history. Yet, there's one place where we find them 
Mamish Benashima Achas together with the Ovis and the Imois, and that's why the Marzach Pelo. Meaning the Marzach Pelo contains who? Adam Chava, Avram Sara, Yitzchak Rivka, Yaakov Leah. It's as if, like, in the Marzach Pelo, all of a sudden Adam Chava are back, they, they, they rejoin the team. And again, I want to understand if, if it's true, if this, if this is a true Ha'ara, why do Adam Chava, like, as they come back into, into the role of Kleisel in the Marzach Pelo? Peseda, those are, are the questions. So, the answer to everything is really lies in one line in the Zayar Kaddish, which everyone brings down. I got to heard it from a from Misha Weinberger. I think I also heard it from Misha Shapiro many years ago, but I don't remember. I heard it from Misha Weinberger. And the Zayar Kaddish says like this. The Zayar Kaddish answers all the questions. We just have to understand the Zayar. The Zayar says... Oh, shit, no, this is not the right one. It's a different Zayar. Um, one second. Oh, like this. Su. Raza de Mila Steymach Pela... The Zayar is trying to understand why is it called Steyamach Pela? Meaning the Pashup Shat in the Negla it's called Sadach because it's, there's double there's double components. So there's upstairs, there's a downstairs, there's an outside, there's an inside. But the Zayar Kutz wants to understand in the Pneumist Indian, and knows if the tire is calling it Steyamach Pela, I mean, it's not just like a, a Zaitika component. You could call it the Steyha Dama also because it's buried in the ground. Meaning this is its essence. The, the fact that it's Kofel is, is its essence. It's, God, it's godless lies in the fact that it's double. So what is that? So Zuck the Zayar, Man Machpela, what's double? Hey, the Shema Kadisha. The Hey in the Shema Kadisha. The Hey in the Shema Kadisha of the Rebbe Nisham is Kafel. The Ihi Machpel. That's what's Kafel. Vekula Kaimbo Kechad, and it all stands together. And then the Zayar says another couple of words which I don't really understand. But that's really all we need to know. So let, let me explain a little. I'll, I'll be pashtas what the Zayar Kadisha is saying. We, there, there's a Shema Vaya, right? The, the Shema Vaya that Hashem is binding the world with is Yud K Vav K. Now, without getting into anything super deep, every ice in the Torah is not just a letter. It's a, it represents a certain spiritual energy, a certain spiritual kayach, every single letter. Now, the two Hays, the Yod and the Vav are two separate letters. The two Hays are a repeat of the same letter. So the Svarim tells tell us that it's the same thing being, it's the same thing. I mean, it's a duplicate. The first Hay and the second Hay, one is a duplicate of the other. What are they? So it's as follows. There's four Eilamites. There's the Eilamatzilas, Eilamabriah, Eilamitzira, and Lassia. And each, and the, each one corresponds to a different letter. So the Habria corresponds to the first hey. What's that? In, in that world, it's called the Alma Ilah. That's the upper world. That's the world where the, the Kisei covet is. The, the song says, call it the Eilamat Kisei. The Kisei covet is in the, fir, in the world that's represented by the first hey of Hashem's name. That's where the Kisei covet is, meaning that's where Kavayin Malchus is inherently, um, it's inherently apparent. Meaning in the first, the world, the Olam Habria, which is represented by the first hey, that's where the Kisei covet is. That's where Malchus Shemayim is 100% clear. There's no obstruction. There's no confusion. There's no unclarity. Malchus Shemayim exists uh, with absolute certainty in the, in, the, in the first hey, in the world that's represented by the first hey. The duplicate of that is the last hey, which is our world. That's the world that we live in. And we live in what's called the Hei And in our world, Malchus Shemayim could potentially be like that. It could be like that. It could be 100% Begoloi, but it could also not be. Meaning there, there's Shaykh obstruction. There's, there's, there's Shaykh to, for it to be clouded over the Malchus Shemayim. You know, someone gave me a muscle to It's a very perfect muscle to explain the difference between the first Hei and the last Hei. He said the difference is like the difference between the sun and sunlight. You know, the sun will always shine. Nothing can make the sun not shine. But sunlight... Could, could not shine. You could have a cloudy day, you could have a stormy day, you could have a half and half. So that's the difference between the upper world, the Alma Ilah, and the bottom world, the world that we live in. And our whole Tafkir the whole idea of Golos, is to get our hay to resemble the upper hay. 
That's everything. That's what the word tshuva, the svarim, all the svarim. Say tshuva is tashuv hey. That the that's the word tashuv hey tshuva, meaning the bottom hey should should start looking like the tape, just like in the tape, the kisei kavod shines forth with Malchus Shemayim, so to the bottom hay, Halavai, should shine forth with Malchus Shemayim. And that's what it's going to look like when Mashiach comes. The, the bottom hay and the top hay are going to be identical. The same way Malchus Shemayim is Begali in the top hay, so too down, uh, down in the bottom hay. But right now we're in Golis, and we don't have that. But look, the Zayar Kaddish, a Sayyid Gadol. The Zayar Kaddish tells you, yeah, but there's one Barakala, one place in the world where the two hays meet. And these two hays are taka identical in one place in the world. And where's that? It's Aras HaMachpela. Hay Machpela. The hay is kafel only in Hebron. In the Ma'ar Samachpela, even when Bishas the, the Golas, there's one, one place in the world where it remains intact. The, the hay Achrena remains intact, meaning it's identical to the hay Rishena, and that's the Ma'ar Samachpela, and that's why it's called Ma'ar Samachpela, because that's its whole school of the fact that it's the kafel hay. Is that understandable, or is that, that too, too out of whack? Because that's, that's, that's what we're going to be working with. So, one second. There's, there's a few amazing Ramazan to this concept in, in Tyrus Nigla as follows. Oh, first of all, it's an incredible thing, the Swarim speak out, that that's why Hebron is exactly the Isis Chorban. Meaning Hebron means Chibor. The word Shash, the word Hebron is Chibor. Meaning that's where there's a Chibor, a direct Chibor between the, the Alma Ilah, the upper world, and the down and the bottom world are directly connected. There's a Chibor in Hebron. But when you don't have that, when you don't have the school of Hebron, you have Chorba. And it's the, one, one is the exact opposite of the other. Um, one second. Oh, there's another, yeah, another Mary the Kazakh. Immediately after Avinu buys the Marasan Pela, before he sends out Eliezer, there's a very cryptic Pasuk that says, Avram Baba Yaman, Vashem Be'erch has Avram Bakol. Right? Very cryptic Pasuk. So the Gemara, the, what the Gemara handles, what does this bakol mean? So Gemara in Baba Basra, the Aftazayin on the base, going on to Yudzayin on says, uh, um, Listen to this Gemara. It's Mamasha Gemara saying exactly what the Zayar says. So the Gemara says, there's, there's three people that in Olam Hazeh, they got Olam Haba, Elohim Avram Yisrael Avram, because it says bakol. It says bakol, and that tells you somehow that in Olam Hazeh, Avram got Olam Haba. As a pella, because it's right after he bought the Marzach Pela. Meaning, the Gemara Baas is telling you that this bracha of Bakal, which means connecting the Mahaz with the took place directly after the purchase of the Marzach Pela. Unbelievable thing. Uh, the Arizal speaks out that who's, who went to Hebron what, uh, hundreds of years later? Kalev. Kalev is Isis Bakal. Meaning, this bracha of Bakal, which came immediately subsequent to the purchase of Hebron, is Gufa, is Gufa the school of Hebron, the connecting the Mahaz with the Another unbelievable ramus that somebody told me, the shame a Talmud of Moshe Shapiro. I don't know who it is. There's another Gemara of Basa, a very strange Gemara, uh, that there was a Tana who went to the Maris Samachpela. I'm going to skip the whole thing. I just want to read you one line. So basically, he went to the up the upper stairs and he wanted to measure the upstairs of, of the Maris Samachpela, and he measured it, and then he wanted to measure the bottom. Uh, and and listen to what the Gemara says. Um, so the Abbasco went out and told him, It's an unbelievable remez in the Gemara to this Indian of the Zayat. In other words, the Basco is saying, no, 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 you don't need a, to measure the difference between the Elyon and the Tachtain when it comes to the Ma'arzach Pele. In the Ma'arzach Pele, the Tachtain is the same thing as the Elyon. The Hei Rishon and the Hei Achrena are identical. An unbelievable remez to this Indian. What was the concept of that again? 
it, it's a whole weird story that uh, Atana went down to Marasach Pele. He's trying to measure it exactly. It's, you have to look at the Gemara there. But that one line is something, it's, it's Ayim Venayur. Oh. So now that we said all that, let's go back. We, I think we could basically answer all of our questions with this idea. So we, asked, we started off by asking what the Torah invests a huge amount of energy, Kaviyochel, into describing the purchase of the Ma'ar Sachpela. What's so special about the Ma'ar Sachpela? The answer what's so special about the Ma'ar Sachpela is the Ma'ar Sachpela is everything. It's Mashiach. It's the, it's, it's the dogma of, of La'as al-Lavay. It's where the Eilam Elyon, the Eilam Atachtain, where, that's where they meet, that's where the Kavayin Malchus of the Oyama Elyon spreads to the Oyama Tachtan, and that's Mamsha the Dogma of Mashiach. We asked, why is it that Esau wanted to stop it? Esau wanted to stop Yaakov. It's Pashat now, because Yaakov was, that's where it was over, it was consummated. Once Yaakov is buried, then the Marasan Chapel is Bishleimus. Esau said, I can't have that. Esau is, is the Malcham Mavis. Esau is, is the Satan. When Mashiach comes, Esau is Batal. Esau said, I cannot have the Marasan Chapel being sealed. I can't have it being Bishleimus, because that's the, the whole Sheyush of, of Geula. And that's, that's Masnagat to me. Who killed him? Chushim. Chushim was Isis Mashiach. So they were Pashat. They were fighting over the Marasan Chapel Kufa. It's an unbelievable thing. Agrada was thinking another, another Knech. <laughs> That that it's interesting. The the Kaisa went down to Mitzrayim. That was a gezera Menashemayim. They had to be Mitzrayim. It's a shtickle pella like Menashemayim. They were Masavim. That Kaisa should leave Mitzrayim, take a commercial break for like a few days, and come back. It's an unbelievable thing because the Rebbeinu was being makdim l'rufu l'maka. Meaning before Mitzrayim, Golas Mitzrayim is the shayrish kolah Golas ba'ilam. The concept of of Golas in the world comes from Mitzrayim. So Rebbeinu holds a hold on one second before you go down to Mitzrayim. Before Mitzrayim starts, I need to put Mashiach in place. I need to have a little spark of, in the Bria where Mashi- the Ur of Mashiach already exists. So you leave Mitzrayim, create the Mars Pela, finalize it, and then you can come back and start your Golas. Now Golas could start because Gula is in place. That's what I was just thinking. It's Dava Gada Dover Nifla. A few more things. Oh, yeah, th- yeah this is also Dover Nifla. This is my own, so I'm proud of it. We, we said that. that oh, listen carefully. We said that, that Asaph was trying to stop this, this thing from happening. The, this. The hey, the hey, and the hey, is what's misnaget to Esau, and Esau was trying to stop it from happening. Now, there's an Arizal that says that this difference between the Oilam Eli and the Oilam Tachten is represented by shem, the difference between Shema Yisrael Hashem and Kenon Hashem Echad and Baruch Hashem Kareim Uchsin Abed. Shema Yisrael Hashem and is, is a declaration of clarity. That's the Oilam Eli, and that's the Kisei Kavod. Shema Yisrael, everyone could hear it. It's clear. Hashem Kenon Hashem Echad. Baruch Hashem, we whisper. Baruch Hashem is not clear. That's something that we don't hear necessarily. So Mamele, that's the difference between so now hit me. If you if you chesmerize the gemachia of Shmai Yisrael Tzedek Moshe Echad, it's eleven twenty eight. If you chesmerize the gemachia of Bar Shem Gavos Lamed, it's thirteen fifty eight. The difference is two forty, which is gemachia Amalek exactly. Amalek was that klipa. Amalek was trying to to divide the the Olam Eli and Olam Tachan and Taka. That's what Yod Al Case Ka. Meaning Ka still even after Amalek Ka existed, but Vav Hey was Taka obliterated. Meaning the Olam Tachan Taka got affected by the klipa of Amalek, and that's that they're trying to make that same divide as Esav. Ayim Benayir. Now, um, so, so let's go back. So we asked uh, after, we, so we remember the, the significance of the Mars HaKpel. But then we asked, why is the Torah Megalatas only in the context of Sarah? Meaning, whatever its godless is, is connected to Sarah Yimenu somehow. So the answer is like this. Because you really have to ask yourself, if it's Taka Soheluk, if the Mars HaKpel is Taka Soheluk, so what was it doing by Ephraim <coughs> How did it get there? How did it go into the Tzad Atoma? What's the pshat? So the pshat is pashat, because it, the same reason why any Kedusha could go to the Tzad the same reason why there are Nebuch Yidin that are Gechap by the Tzad HaTomah, the answer is because there was a Chet Itzadas, and by the Chet Itzadas, there was an Irv of Taivara and the Bria. Taiv went to Tzadara, and, 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 and until Mashiach comes, it's going to be like that. There's going to be Taiv that's Gechap by the Tzad HaRa. 
Oh, now the Zaya Kaddish says, unbelievable, that Chava was Nifkam by the Nachash. The Nachash was Hitl Zuoma Chava. The Zaya Kaddish says, who was Mesakin that? Sorry, Yemenu was Mesakin that. You have to see the Zaya is unbelievable. The Zaya asks, the Zaya asks, what's Pshat? The, that Sari Minu is the only one that the Torah describes her life. Um, this amount of years, that amount of years, that amount of years, right? So it says, Tochazi. Osas Chavala Alma. Chava came into the world. It's Tabkis Bahai Chivya. And she had a Dvekis with the, with the Nochash. The Nochash was Hitl Bazuma, the Atl Bazuma. The Garma Mavsala Alma. Ula Bible. And that, the fact that the Nochash injected Toma into Chava caused Mavis in this world and to her husband. Osa Sarah, listen to the Hale Gazai. Osa Sarah, Sarah came along. She went down and she came up. Pashas, what that means is, I saw the Inspirer explain like this. She got kechap by Pare. Right? She got kechap by Abimelech. And, and in any makam toma she ever was, she remained Kaddish. She remained Halik. The law is Tabkis, babe. Oh. Unbelievable thing. So Sarah Imenu, by being in any matzav of chashchas and any matzav of heder, oh, remained Kaddish. And that was misaking, the Zayar's telling us, misaking the Pagam of Chava that she got Nifgam through the Nachash. Right? That's the Pshat why we find that Sarah Imenu had that uh, Bracha was Mitzuyah Isa and the Ner was Dalak and there was a cloud around it because the, the Medrash says Mefurish that Chala, Nida, and Alakas Ner are all Tikunim on the Chet of Chava. The Medrash Rabbah says that in Bereshis. So it's unbelievable. Sarah, who was the Tikkun, had all three. She, she exa- exemplified all three of them because she was the ticket. And I was thinking, Lechaira, that would be the Oymik of Rashi. Rashi says, Kulam Shavim Letaiva, Letaiva Daika. Taiva meaning without any ear of Ra. Because the whole Bri has ear of Taiva Ra. Sarah was Taiva without Ra. Sarah didn't have the Pagam of, of, the, of the Eitz Hadas. So it's Mamash Mayerdik. When Sarah was massacring her whole life, Sabayda, when she died and her ticket came to Shlemos, so it alleviated the Pagam of the Eitz Hadas, Memela. <laughs> Avram was able to free the the Makim Kaddish, the type that was in this Arviv in the Ra, meaning this Heliga, Heliga Makim, the most Heliga Makim in the world, the Brekel and Mashiach in the world, that it was Gechaft Litzada Klipa because of the, the Pekam Etzadas. Once Sarah, you mean it was Mesakin to a degree, the Chet Etzadas, Avram Avinu was able to be Paite from, uh, from the Bnei Ches. And that's Lechera why. Davka in the Marzach Pela, we start counting other Marishan as being part of one of the Ovis again. Because the whole reason why other Marishan was like Mufka from this Ishtashlis of Chayisrael is because other Marishan was Pagim, but here lies the Tikkun. The Tikkun Eitzadas and the Tikkun to everything and, and, and the Geula is in the Marzach Pela. In that world, in that world, Adam's part of Adam's part of the Ishtashlis of Chayisrael. Once the Tikkun comes, Adam's part of the Ishtashlis of Chayisrael. That's Grada Lechayr why Esau's head also went into the Marzach Pela. I think because Esau, it says, Lasalave, the Pekam of Esau will be Masukin, meaning Esau will do Chuva, Lasalave. So maybe hey, yes, this is the makim of the asad lava in, in the world even now. So a, a brekla esav could be there. So that I, so, so that answers all, all of our questions that we asked. Right? We asked what's the significance of Marzach Pela. Significance is because that's where the two worlds connect. It's davka chal through sarah imenu, and uh, and that's why other marishan davka there um, it has has some sort of tick and maybe he's counted again as part of klai. So do I have another minute? Well, uh, one sec. Uh, yeah, you want to get that? Okay, I want to share with you a mamash and nifle the gazach. And if you feel like you have to leave, please leave. I don't want to keep anyone. There's an. I, there's another. There's another mikzayi that everyone talks about this week's parsha that I want to. I want to tie it into everything we just said. And that is a famous, famous medrash, a medrash pliyat suma um, with Rebbe Kiva. Yeah, 
Listen close. Rabbi Kiva haya yoshev v'dayrish. Rabbi Kiva was in yoshev v'dayrish. V'atzibor misnamnim. The tzibor, not like this tzibor, yeah. They're misnamnim. They're falling asleep. So Bikesh l'ayra, and he wanted to wake them up. Omar, he said something completely doesn't seem to make any sense. Ma rasa Esther, everyone knows. Ma rasa Esther shetem lechal kof chav zayin medina. What did Esther Amalka see that she should be mam lechan kof chav zayin medina? Ella Tave Esther Shehibas Bitashal Sara Shechaisa Kof Vechaf Vezayin Vetimlech Al Kof Vechaf Vezayin Medina. It's basically saying Esther Malka. What did she see to be Mamlech and Kof Vechaf Vezayin Medina? She saw Sari Menu who lived for 127 years. Halei Daver who everyone talks about it. What in the world is the Shaykhis between Esther Hamalka to Sari Menu to Rebbe Kiva? I mean Rebbe Kiva in Ramadashach. Even if you could figure out a, a connection between Sari and Esther, why did Rebbe Kiva choose this random var to wake up his Talmudim? So listen to this Daver Neira Ve'ayim. First of all, we have to understand a little bit about Rabbi Kiva and what was going on there. Rabbi Kiva was the panim of Teresh Peh in the world. Rabbi Kiva, all Mishnais come from the base measure of Rabbi Kiva. Teresh Peh, the Zayr Kaddish in, what's it called that we say? In Shachas, a lot of people say it. Psich um, Salio uh, says that Peh is the Midah of Malchus. What does that mean on, on a very partial degree? Because Malchus is being Megala in the Bria Malchus Shemaim, and that happens through the Peh. The only way we have an ability to express ourselves is through the mouth. Teresh Abal Peh is the Giloi of Malchus in the Bria. And that was Rebbe Kiva. That was Rebbe Kiva's whole tafkin to be Megala Malchus in the Bria through Teresh Abal Peh. But there's a Dar of Dover because who, who is the, the direct contrast to that? The, the nemesis of the ability to be ma- to be marba malchus in the world is Esav. It says uh, it says in the, it says um, har Esav When Esav gets shuffled, when Esav gets their ticket, so then But so long as Esav exists, there's a heder malchus in the bria. So what uh, what Rabbi Kiva tried to do in the world is an exact snagdus to what Esav tried to do in the world. Kiva was trying to be to, to be marba malchus in the world. Oh, but listen to this because the Ahelagai Rizal writes. I wrote down the law. Well, Rabbi Kiva's Shirish, Rabbi Kiva, I read you his lashon. Rabbi Kiva haya beekev Esav. Rabbi Kiva's neshama was locked into the ankle, the ekev of Esav. Kiyarat, kiyarat b'seich oimek haklipa, because Rabbi Kiva was yarat to the seich oimek haklipa. The Yaakov hella oisay misham biyade. When Yaakov held on to the ekev of Esav, he was yanking out the neshama of Rabbi Kiva. That's why he's called Akiva, because he's lashon ekev. It's a pella atzuma. That means Esav, who is the header malchus in the bria. Rabbi Kiva, who it was Marba, who is Malchus in the Bria, came from there. Meaning, Rabbi Kiva's Shoyosh Neshama was to be the Malchus, Mitaych Heder Malchus. There's Heder Malchus, that's Esav. Rabbi Kiva is the one who could look inside of that and extract Malchus and, be, and bring out Malchus to the whole Bria. That was Rabbi Kiva's Kayach. That's why Rabbi Kiva could look at a Shual and Harabais and see Geula. He saw Heder, he saw the Malchus inside the Heder. He could look at a kites and say, Tilum, Tilum, Shalalachas. Rabbi Kiva's whole kayak was to, to see Malchus where everyone else saw Heather Malchus. Now, he's sitting there being, being Marba Malchus in the breeze, saying Teresh Pet. His Talmidim were misnamnim. What does that mean? Because what the Kufa was this? When did Rabbi Kiva live? Rabbi Kiva lived in Shasa Chorban. Golas Adam was setting in. So Memela, Gol's Edom is the Hisnagdus to Malchus. So his Talmidim were being misnamed because they felt like the, 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 the Golos was setting in. They couldn't be Makabal there. They couldn't be Makabal the Malchus because the Hisnagdus to Malchus was starting to surround them. So Rekiva said, You think that Heder Malchus means that should Taka be an obstacle? Let me tell you, let me tell you a word. Esther Amalka was in the base Achashverish. She was in the Spitz Heder Malchus. She was in the Malchus Hatoma. And yet she was shetim, like, doesn't mean she herself was mamlech. She means she was mamlech malchus shemayim 
from within the palace of Achashverosh, who is Mamlech Malchus Shemayim, Kuf Chavzayim Medinas. There's a davar nifla to the word Esther. I wrote this out so no one has to make a mathematical cheshbon. Esther means Hester, right? It means Hester. But if you spell out Esther, you can look at this, look at it. The, the inside letters is Lamed Pei, Mem Chaf, Yud Vav, Yud Shen, is Gemachia Malchus. Esther is Esther, ostensibly, but her Pneumius is Malchus, meaning she's able to pull out the Malchus from the Hester. That's Esther. Zokter Bekiva, where did she get that Kayach from? She got that Kayach from Sari Menu, who was like the Zayar Kadeshes. She was Nachsas Salkas. She could go into the base Pari, she could go into the base Avimelech and, and remain Latayva and extract Kedusha and be Mamluch Yibbani Shalom in the Makamatoma. That's where Esther got this Kayach from. That's where Sarah got this from. He says, Hey, look, tell me them. You're being misnamed because you're in Gullis. You should be misayr because you're in Gullis. In the header, lick the malchus. In the header, lick the malchus. And that's Tavka where you're going to steig. And Memela, and we sh- you should taka, bimar malchus shemaim, and the bria ad bias gael, bimheir bimheim. Amen. This is based on, it's, a, it's from, there's a couple of maimarim from the, the Balatanya, which are called the maimarim hakatsarim. And they're very short. They're, none of them are more than a page long. Um, they're very, for the most part, avidic. You know, less esoteric, more focused on specific avida. Um, you know, kind of punchlines, basically. Um, so it's based on two of them, um, and we'll get into it. It's actually from Isha Achas from Aftara from two weeks ago. But since that's when this idea came around, and I had learned that that week, I said, okay, this is this is what we're going to say this week because I was so inspired by it. Um, the basic, there's two concepts that it focuses on over here. The first concept that it focuses on is the idea that, uh, that what is a person supposed to do, especially nowadays you know, when uh, inspiration is so far and few in between, what's a person supposed to do if he really feels like he has no Avanira? Right? You know, we, we, have, we definitely have times where we feel spiritual, but to feel that we really, really have you know, accomplished the love of Avanira, you know, like what our forefathers used to have, it's something that seems elusive to us. You know, we get Ava, and then a second later, it feels like our Ava has, you know, 10 seconds ago, all we cared about is davening. 10 seconds later, all we care about is, is, is the food that we're eating at the Shabbos table, which obviously there could be a good aspect to that too. Um, the week but, day, keep it week. Keep it week, exactly. Make, make it a little easier. Um, so that, that, that's something that, that is definitely a challenge for us right now, is keeping our, our love and our fear Muktash for for Yaktusha and for Hashem and for, for pursuits of, of, of godliness. And so that's basically the, the, the whole shock of attire between this lady and Elisha. So the author says that, that who is this lady? It says, Elisha. She's crying out to Elisha. It says, Who's this, this lady, the Isha? The Isha is the Ish Hashem, is the Neshama that Yid has. Right? And what happens? She's crying out to Elisha. Who's Elisha? Kelisha. Hashem answered. She's crying out to Hashem. She says, Hashem. I'm trying to serve you. I want to have love. I want to have fear. But what happened? The, 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 the collector, the debtor, came to me and took my, took my sons. Who are the sons? The sons are brought down in many places. It refers to the Avanira. The debtor came. He took my sons. Who's the debtor? The debtor is the Yitzhahara. I used to go to Yeshiva and I used to love learning and I used to love Kedusha. Ten seconds later, I left and I'm out in the world and the debtor, I, don't, I didn't know I owed him anything, but turns out I owed him something and he took my love and now I love Inyanishtus. And, and now, now I fear Nyanishtus, I fear a job, I fear a, a parnasa, I fear, you know, whatever veltish things, you know, and not even, not even things that are virus, just things that are not, not, like, uh, are not, not Hashem. So what does Elisha answer? Elisha says, 
What do you have remaining in your house? What is a house? A house is the idea of security. What, were, what did you manage to keep secure? Right? And, and, and most people have, have a, a, some aspect in their relationship with Hashem that they manage to keep, to keep secure. You know, you see people who are about tzedakah. Their, their tzedakah for them, nobody is going to get in the way of their tzedakah. You know, their tzedakah will always be Kaddish and, and no one's going to... And there's certain people who their davening is Kaddish. And no one's going to get in the way of their davening and they'll never miss a minion. You know, they kept it in their bias. They kept it safe. They kept... They made sure whatever I'm doing somehow is... Their Rosh Hashiva knocked it into their head that, that davening is the most important thing and that's what they took and that's what they, they coughed. So he says, he asked Alicia, he, he asked this lady, he says, what did you manage to keep safe? What did you manage to keep the Yitzhahara's hands off? Yitzhahara's been getting his hands on everything. What did you manage to, 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 to shake off? What did you manage to guard well? And unfortunately, she was in, in a pretty low matzav, and she says nothing. She says, She says, I have nothing. I have nothing. All I have is this little, this little jar of shemen. That's all I have left in my house. I don't have any love. I don't have any fear. I don't have any mitzvahs that I'm doing that I feel like I can kachin. All I have is the shemen, which the shemen is the idea of chachma love of the pintle yid, of the etzman neshama. Right, which is brought down in, in, in many Mepharshim and, 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 and many places, definitely in Nister, um, referring to, to the Yivanim and the whole, the whole Machleks over there, that they were just trying to tap into that Shem, and that's really the whole miracle, is that we, the, the proof that the Yivanim could not fathom the fact that our Pinzayed really can't get damaged. That, that was something that they could not wrap their heads around, and they, they, they went into the Keshachadashim. They did everything they possibly could, except for being able to, to, to tarnish the Pinzayed, and that's really... What Shemin represents. The so Shemin of Yivonim, the Shemin of Yaakov. Of Yaakov, right, exactly. Yaakov was fighting, so fighting over that. I said, Yaakov went back to get that. What that? Because they didn't want that to be lost from Kal Yisrael. That, that, wow. that. And that's what, that's that was the Sarah was fighting over, that that should overcome that as well. Wow. Right, so this idea of the Shemin, so she says, you know, you talk, you're right, I do have this. But what's, what's the tale of, of something like this if I don't have any way to express it? So he says, okay, I hear that. Go out to your neighbors. And it, it, there's an interesting, uh, 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 there's a, the whole thing I'm just quoting, um, or at least trying to do my best to just quote, um, but one date that I want to make um, in a second. But he says, go out to your neighbors and gather all the, borrow as many empty kalim as you possibly can. He says, Atamiti, right? Do not be, don't be stingy or don't be uh, 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 frugal about it. Get as much as you possibly can. And then what should you do? You should bring them back into your house, close the door behind you. And what's going to happen is once you get that door closed, you're going to make sure that you, insta- that, that you infiltrate or that you uh, uh, fill up these kingdom with that, 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 that asuk shaman, that, that teeny little pach shaman that you have. What does that mean? What's, what, what, what does that mean in Avaida? What that means in Avaida is when a person walks into Yom Kippur Rosh Hashanah and he feels absolutely no, you know, no anything or whatever, or, or he, he walks in, you know, there, there's a muscle um, with the king, that the king was in the forest on a hunting trip and the king gets lost. And this beggar who lives in the forest saves the king. And the beggar says, come to my house. And he saves him from the cold and he basically keeps him alive. And then the, he takes the king back to the palace. And a year later, the king comes, uh, so the king has a gift. The king gives to this beggar, he gives him a, a, a nice set of uh, tableware. That's a, a nice gift. I mean, you can imagine that compared to the house, you know, didn't uh, look interesting. Um, 
And a year later, to commemorate the day, the king comes back and the king says, I want to hang out with you again, you know, to, to thank you. And he says, what am I going to do when the king's coming? I have nothing to, to no, no shprach with the king. What do I have? I have kelim, at least, that are shikom echubedek, and that, that the king has some yachas too, and we can have a, a sudan, these came, at least we can have some type of yachas. And that is the idea that when we start up Shemar Esrei, we say, Hashem Sfasai Tiptach, we're saying, Hashem, open up our lips and we're going to say your prayers. We're not, we don't have anything of our own. All we have is, is, is these little things that you've given us. Right? Side point, but, but, but it, it shows this idea of sometimes we have nothing of our own. And all we have is what Hashem gave us. What did Hashem give us? Tara mitzvahs. Right? So even if the Torah mitzvahs are not your own, you always have access to them. A yid always has access to Torah mitzvahs, and there's never, even if you feel like you're not a learner, or you feel like you're not a davener, or you're not a, you know, a Baal a, Chassadim, whatever the case is, mitzvahs always have a yachas yidin, because Hashem gave it to us, and we can tap into that, even if it's not your mitzvah. The chiddush over here is that he's saying, is when you run out of this love and fear, the trick is, is to Get as many empty mitzvahs as you possibly can, as many uninspirational, dry, dead, you know, absolutely, you know, not kishmak, nothing that anybody would stand up at a, at a, at a Shabbos table or, or at, a, at, a, at a simcha, at a speech on Shabbos and say, this person has this and this midah, even if you're doing it completely without, on any inspiration. You're doing it just because this is the mitzvah, that's an empty vessel. What happens when you do this and you close the doors behind you? Meaning that you close this and now you start to do a shtickle introspection and you look through yourself, what can happen is you're able to take that, that Asuk uh, Shemin and fill up all those Kalim. And like we know, the, the story is that, that it filled infinitely until she ran out of Kalim. And it's Amar de Kazakh that basically what is the source of inspiration is not to look for inspiration, is to get more uninspired acts, uninspired acts of, of kindness, uninspired, you know, calling your mother and, and saying something nice to her, calling your father saying something nice, even if there's no inspiration, that is what's going to lead to the, that's what's going to be the, 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 the breeding ground for the eventual inspiration filling into it. Um, and I was thinking that a perfect example of this is real estate. On the, on the bad economy times, what happens? The guys that are real chaver moms, what do they do? They realize that this is a bad time, that nobody has no one wants to touch anything that's distressed. And they go and they do whatever they can to buy these things. They probably can't afford it. The guys who are, who are, who are buying it also can't afford it. It's the last pennies that they have. It's not their, they can't stand behind and say, oh, this is my investment. It's, they, they, they shot, killed, and stole to make sure that these properties were invested in. It's not theirs. However, comes the turnaround, comes the economy, the economy gets a little better. All these properties are now what you're really going to build your whole foundation off. And it's specifically in a time of a drought that you have this opportunity. And that's what Hashem is telling us in this story. Hashem is telling us specifically there in a case where she has no love and fear, that's when Hashem gives you the capacity to tap into that, that, that Asuk Shemin. But you can't just tap into that. You need Kalim to pour it into. And the Kalim is as many empty mitzvahs. And in the, Yossi Jacobson gives us here on this. And he says, that, uh, he says that's the idea of streaks. That streaks, obviously, you know, there's the point where it gets the OCD. But in certain ways, streaks are very good because streaks shows your unbounding, unwavering connection to Hashem that I do not miss Dirshu or I do not miss Shifti or whatever it is. I don't miss it and that's not going to happen. And even if I don't care and I'm not going to learn and whatever, I, I'm still going there and I'm still going to do my best. That is specifically when Hashem gives you the opportunity to tap into the Pintal Yid and then, Ba'at Ubanach Ticha Benaiser. 
you and your love and fear is gonna come back 10 times stronger than it ever was. Idea number one. Idea number two, um, and that, that's one mimer from the, from the, the Alter Rebbe. The second mimer is based on the same Dibur Moscow, but, but he goes into another idea of empty vessels, and he says this idea of empty vessels is the idea of looking at yourself and finding yourself as an empty vessel. Because oftentimes the reason why we don't find inspiration in Hashem is because we are getting in the way of our inspiration. Because we have this whole ego and this whole way of how we planned out Hashem should inspire us and how when I daven, X, Y, and Z is supposed to result. If I daven for three hours, I'm supposed to get excellent inspiration. And for four hours, you know, I'm going to be tripping off the walls, you know. And so we make these, these criteria for Hashem. We get a, our, our ego gets in the way. And because of that, we can't get in, inspired. Relevance. What is it? Relevance. What does it mean? When people from other groups of Judaism go to show they want relevance. Are you saying to stay relevant? Yeah. Right. Right. So, so, so it says, I think it's in, uh, I don't know where this is. Um, I think it's the Kunizar, maybe. Um, that um, what's the lesson? A, a log that doesn't catch. What do you do with a log that doesn't catch? Okay, whatever. But the, the lesson basically is, is if you have a log that doesn't catch on fire, what do you do with the log? You break it up. You smash it up. And that is the same idea with us and Hashem. If we feel like we're not, we're not sensitive to godliness, it's because we need to smash ourselves up a stickle. We need to show ourselves how we're really empty vessels. And, and, and obviously, the, the kaiches that we have are incredible, but the, 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 the personality of us is just, you know, at the end of the day, it's just a behemoth who happens to be very lucky to have been blessed with the neshama. And it happens to have, you know, the incredible resources that we have. But at the end of the day, that's not us. That's Hashem. Us ourselves, without all the actions, without all the terminuses, there, there's nothing there. So now here, the, the, this, is a, a, um, this is how the Rebbe learns out these two things. He says that if you really look at them, there's a, a, a fundamental difference between these two ideas of empty vessels. Right? The first empty vessel is saying that what? That we're out of light, we're out of, out of R. So what do we do? We bring Caleb, and then through that Caleb, through that Caleb we'll have, have a, a, an avenue to shine the godly light into. The second method is saying that by you breaking yourself, you will illuminate. So that is a much higher idea. That's the idea of Mashiach. That's a, that, 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 that's a much more, 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 more ruchnistic idea because it has nothing to do with you and, and, and your yachas to the mitzvahs, it has to do with getting rid of yourself. It has to do with allowing Hashem to shine in. And, and he, uh, he, he, he spells it out in a very beautiful way. And, and uh, I'll go over it right now. But that basically, the chayshech that comes from the R is obviously important. But when you can get the chayshech itself to shine, which is the idea of the chayshech that existed before, before um, Shesus made Barashas, right? That was the first thing that was in the world, was chayshech. And somehow light came out of there. The chayshek has the capacity to make light. If you can get the chayshek itself to shine, that is a much higher idea than getting kalim and, and, and putting more light into your life. In, in, in simple terms, if you can turn yourself into a vehicle of inspiration, instead of having to go outside of yourself and to, to, uh, to find tarmitzvahs and to hope that those tarmitzvahs will eventually be filled up with this godliness, that is a much more cumistic 
way of, 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 of creating light. And not only that, we're going to say that it's a much higher level of light itself because that is the light of tshuva. And the light of tshuva is a light of something that you can't even tap through with Torah mitzvahs. And that's why tshuva is able to be mechaper in Torah mitzvahs. The Gemara says in Rosh Hashanah, Nice Evan Lamar Fesha, the Sheriff's not Khalase. Right? So Hashem forgives, um, he, he's willing to, to carry the sin and to those who uh, transgress um, willingly, the Sheriff's not to the remnants of Hashem's heritage. Zakta Gemara, the Gemara says, Rabbi Khanina, Rabbi Acha Bar Rabbi Khanina says, the Sheriff's not Khalase, the light called Nachalase, the Mishamasim Atma Kishiraim. To the person who makes themselves like Shiran, to the person who can break themselves up, to the person who can get over his ego, that is the person who Hashem is willing to enable that person to tap into tshuva. What's so special about tapping into tshuva? Tshuva, it's brought down in Sfarim, that tshuva is the idea of makif, of saiviv. There's two iris, that, that, there's two ways Hashem interacts with the world. There's the idea of our day-to-day relationship with Hashem, and that is how we have to interact with Hashem, and that's why we have to work, and that's why we have to do Torah mitzvahs, and that's why we have to do all these things. And then there's the idea that even if Chas Hashem, we slipped up and we did it in Avera, Hashem gives us a capacity to override the system by tapping into the higher level of Hashem, which is this, this idea of makif, this idea of saibiv. The pasuk that's used is, Ki mitzvah zais, asher Right? If you look in that, there's, 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 there's amazing diukim that you can make out of this Pasuk. We say, which we know is referring to tshuva. It's not higher than you. What's niflesa and what's rechaika? Niflesa and rechaika is this idea of things that we typically can't tap into. Things that are, 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 are far-fetched. Things that we can't, we can't relate to. Tshuva seemingly is something that, that we should have no yachas to. How could a yid have yachas to tshuva? It doesn't make sense. That we can do, you know, a serious of error, chas not we. Chas it, it could have happened, somebody did a serious of error, and then they'll do tshuva and that's it. They, they, they override the error. The, the, how is such a thing possible? How, how can somebody tap into such a high level of tshuva or, or of anything? How does Hashem give us the capacity to do tshuva if Hashem seemingly created the world and, and put us into this world? And the answer is, it's because ki mitzvah says asher anayichim mitzavcha. It's not just stam Hashem alekecha, anayichim Hashem alekecha. It's not just anayichim God as He is expressing this idea of havaya or Hashem as He is alekecha, anayichim havaya, anayichim alekecha. This is pure anayichim. This is one of the few places I think the only place in the Torah where Hashem gives a mitzvah and Hashem doesn't say anayichim Hashem alekecha. Hashem just says anayichim mitzavah. Hashem is commanding you. Anayichim, I am commanding you, not. Not Havaya is commanding you. Not Alekim is commanding you. Not any of the ways that we've been relating to each other beforehand. Not the way that, that, I, that I set it out in Tar Mitzvahs, which is Havaya and which is Alekinu, the typical relationships that, Hashem have with, with, that, that the Yidin have with Hashem. But I'm introducing a relationship that you guys never have had with me before. And this is the idea of straight Anechi, not Havaya, not Alekinu, pure godliness. How do you tap into that? It's with HaMitzvah Zais, with, with, with this Mitzvah. And he says, Lighty Flicy, it's not far. Not only is it not far from your Chaya or from your Yechida, which are already two aspects of us that are, there, there's, there's five levels of our Neshama. Um, the three levels of our day to day Neshama are Nefesh Ruch Neshama. Then there's the two higher levels, which are, are, are Chaya and Yechida. Yechida is what we say we tap into by Neila, um, or, or by very rare occasions, a Yid could tap into such a high level. 
So tshuva obviously can tap into such a level, but you may think that tshuva doesn't have an effect on your day-to-day life. It only has an effect on you when you're, uh, you know, by Yom Kippur, by Nila, the iron is open, and you're standing in front of Hashem, okay, obviously you feel inspiration. Your chida is, is on fire. How can you not feel inspired? You know, there would be a question if you didn't feel inspired by Nila. But the fact that that should have an impact on you when you wake up the next morning and go to work and your coworker, you know, is, is saying something that's not appropriate and, and, and they're all having a conversation for you to walk away that next morning because of the fact that you stood at a Nailah and you felt you decided we're makabal upon yourself a level of tshuva is not something that seems like you should have a yachas to each other. However, the fact that it's coming from a neichin, the fact that Hashem says, Asher neichin mitzah, uh, from you, Dafka, not from your neshama, from you, what Hashem is saying is that this capacity of tshuva is something that is so strong and so powerful that it could even affect you. It could even affect you as you are with all the titles, Menlo Rosenberg, the real estate agent who works at NI Bergen, even that guy, that grubby guy, as he is over there, who you can't tell the difference between him and a guy besides for his beard. I mean, hopefully he acts a little different too. But he's doing the exact same thing that they're doing. He makes us cause the same people, sits in front of the same computer. Hopefully he's a little smarter than them. Um, even that person, it's still not far from the you, from, 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 from the, 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 the day-to-day person that, uh, that, that, that you are and that, that you interact with the world. Um, I'm going to run to the end just because we're, uh, we're finished over here. Now we can understand why specifically it's the level of breaking yourself that is able to do this idea of, of, of making you a luminary, right? It, it's uh, it, like it's, um, what's the, the Lashen? Mechukaisai um, uh, with iron. It says that Balescha Saneris, Balescha, sorry, Balescha Saneris. What is it? The Lushan where he uses Ner Lahayr? It's Lushan? Ner Samar? Something like that, right? Something like that. What are you looking for? He uses some Lushan like Ner Lahayr. Like instead of saying that the candles are going to light, the candles should illuminate. Ner Lamar? Right, so Ner Lamar, it doesn't say, it should say Lahayr. It should have said that the light should, should illuminate. But it says Lamar, to become, a, to become a luminary, this is the idea, once again, of the, of the oil. That when you can tap into the, 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 the same thing with, with, with the Yavanim, when you can tap into this, uh, this oil, now you can become a luminary. Not only that you become a keli for a luminary, not only can you become a keli for oil, but you yourself can be a candle, so to speak, of Hashem. And that happens specifically by what? By you breaking yourself. And, and to finish with this last idea, this is why tshuva is so connected with Mashiach. That's why it says when the Yidin do tshuva, mayadhin Because all other things, what, what, what are we trying to do when we do tar mitzvahs? We're trying to tap into the godliness that's going to exist when Mashiach comes. But we are not vehicles for the tar and the mitzvahs. We, Hashem, it, it, I mean, we are, we're vehicles for, to do Hashem's ratzin. But as far as ourselves, we don't really experience Tzar Mitzvahs until Mashiach comes or until, until we go to the next world. We don't really experience Tzar Mitzvahs. So while we're in Galatia, there's not really any way to connect to Mashiach through Tzar Mitzvahs. Of course, it, it brings Mashiach, but to really start living Mashiach, the only way you can do that is through breaking yourself, through mirrors. Because at that point, we can start to tap into the idea like when Mashiach comes, our body is going to give the chayas to the guf. Right? Because our bodies will be so, so nizdachik, our bodies will be so... So we're fine that our bodies are going to be the, are going to be the conduit for godly light to the guf. 
Right now, it's to, to, to the neshama, sorry. That, that our goof is going to be the, the conduit to the neshama. Right now, our neshama, we try to put our, plug our neshama into the right places, but it's still, we can't really connect to God in an unadulterated way. The only way to really connect to God unadulterated in a way, in a Mashiachtic way, is through this idea of mirrors, through this idea of, 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 of obviously not depression, but through this idea of, of making yourself an empty keli. By doing something like that, you're able to really remove all the, 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 the blockages that you had, not because you're so powerful, but because Hashem gave you this capacity because of a neichi, and you can really start to live a Mashiachtic life because you will be a, a, a pure conduit to a to Kedusha. Beautiful. So the very basic in, in one line is that uh, if you're not feeling the inspiration, that gufa is, is one of the greatest opportunities to tap into to, to a light that you can typically not tap into. Because as long as you're inspired, it, it's, it's not easy to, to nullify yourself. Right. You know, the only time you can nullify yourself is when you realize that there's something wrong over here, that you have not, you know, that, that there's, you're, you're, you're lacking something. Then you can say, you know, I have to... Uh, Open up again. Uh, for the past 22 years plus, I have been doing a uh, cycle of, of going through all Mishnayos every year. Um, right now, we have also to uh, to think of the um, the the um, martyrs in Pittsburgh and people who are in danger in Israel from all the bombings, and uh, for some of for uh, Rabbi Barris, Chaim Shazam ben Miriam, and also I just read in the Israelite, and this is something you probably will not know, uh, uh, Warren Falberg just passed away. He was the person who was president of Jewish Hospital when it was sold to the Mercy System, he took the money and set the Jewish Foundation with it. So even though he, you know, he's, he's, well, you know, Stan, he, uh, he did all that, and uh, we, we, we've uh, certainly profited from his foresight in doing that. It was <coughs> a very uh, unique thing to do, and uh, I'm told other people have copied that uh, since then. What to do with the money when you sell a Jewish hospital to another hospital, as opposed to just giving away all your chassim? So, so he, he, he was just sniffed a few days ago. I saw in the paper. And what's nice about the Sirmoid is that there are th- themes and concepts in the last, in the last mission, mission that I'm going to be uh, going over that we also appear in this week's Parsha. And not only that, this is today, in today's Daf Yomi. How about that? I didn't notice it this morning. And I, I, titled, the, um, I titled this talk, uh, Parsha's by Yetze Rocks. <laughs> Okay, so uh, we're gonna, I'm going to start, and it's, um, I try to make it a little longer than I usually do because I noticed that when people give the uh, Kabura here, they take up the whole half, close to the whole half hour, and I didn't want to disappoint anybody. But the first thing I'd like to have people notice is that the beginning of Vayetse and the end of Vayetse have a lot of parallels with, with each other as well as between all these other things I talked about. Okay, let's talk about these parallels. First of all, we start off, Asa, uh, uh, Yaakov is, is just starting to flee from Esav. He's on the way, he's on the way, and uh, Elif, I mean, uh, Esav, according to, I think, the Kuyakar, one of them says that uh, he was just too, you know, once Yaakov left, he didn't feel threatened anymore, but he called over Eliphaz and said, I don't want to see this guy's face <laughs> again. You know, take, you know, you know, take, take care of him. 
so when our, and we don't and the, the story was of course is that he knew he had to kill him didn't want to kill him because he grew up he grew up with him learned from him what should I do take all my money so Ace of Fle- Fleece Jakov <coughs> goes on his way okay and uh, now we go we, we go on uh, he gets to a place he, alight, he uh, accosts or alights on the place uh, he takes all the rocks from around the place, he brings them all together, and um, he lays down on it. He has a dream. And what does he see? He sees this ladder, and it's Mutsav Artsav, Mutsav, it's standing up on the ground. It's, it's supported on the ground, and there's angels uh, going, going, up, going up and down it. And the uh, next Pasuk says, Hashem Now Hashem is planted down on top of him. And he, of course he promises, and I'm going to make sure I, I, I fulfill all the promises with you. You're going to be fine. You're gonna, you're, your descendants will go over the place. I'm going to protect you. And, 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 and on and on. So sometimes, during, so sometimes during the night, the rocks that are all like different rocks, Become one rock, right in the Medrash, and uh, they all fought to who lay his head on him, and they come, they come, become one rock, and uh, he gets up and says, "This is uh, this is uh, Shara Shemayim. This is the gateway to this is the gateway to heaven over here," and he takes and which we're, we're interpreting that you know this that suddenly that suddenly Yerushalayim and Harabias came over there, and some people say that that rock was really the Evan Ashtia. Or the rock that uh, was part of the uh, part of the altar that uh, that Akedas for Akedas Yitzchak that you know, these, these rocks had a history over there, and he, he and he and he be, says this Evan is going to be a matzeva another thing something standing up over there and he puts wine on it, and um, and he and he there he promises that okay Hashem's going to watch where we take care of things and therefore. You know, I'll, I will perform the mitzvahs, I'll even take my sir, and so forth. And he goes on his way. I'm going to take a quick interlude because there's another rock story over here. I have a little chiddush on that. That uh, Yaakov here goes to the well, you know, he goes to, to the people there, Achai, you know, and they, they say, well, he's just being friendly to them. But it turns out that there's one before us who says that actually all the people in there were like, were related. You know, from Terach and his sons and stuff. So these are guys who are his cousins. So they really were, they really were his relatives, but yeah, that, not, not everybody says that. And anyway, I have a, a Kiddushi that they, he went over, he went over, here comes Rachel, he goes over to the well, and Rashi says he picked up the rock like a cork. So what I think happened is that when Rachel came, here comes the waters up to greet her, so when he goes to pick up the rock, out comes the cork, and it's like he opens a bottle of champagne, all the water is <laughs> rising up. Wow. It's like an engagement party, right? Or a Bengals victory. Oh, what's that like? I don't know. You know that, uh, they pop the cork, and out comes all the, uh, out comes all the liquid. And uh, so here it was. It's trying to come up. But, um, uh, and the, the term they use is for taking it off was Bayago. He rolled it off. Bayago. So there's all these terms. They keep, keep track of these terms. Because it's appearing and reappearing. Okay, now we're going to go. Okay, and it's time. Uh, this time, Yaakov has to run away. I don't think anybody else is coming, so we'll just uh, do the CM and we'll, I don't know.
Next time the Rabbanon Kaddish have uh, will have in mind. Thirty-one. It's quite a bit of ways in there. Okay, so basically he's, he's starting to he's starting to flee Levon, and he catches up catches up to him at Haragilad, which is overlooking Base Hale, which is where Yaakov was in the first place. So they're in the same they're in the same neighborhood over here. And what does um, Lavan do? Lavan's about to, to go after him, take all the people back, kills him. The other one to kill him. He has a dream. Hashem comes down and says, "You don't do anything, to this guy. I'm taking care of him." So another another dream. And uh, not only that, uh, he goes over and he uh, pats Yaakov down. He suspects him of stealing things. So once again, Yaakov gets fleeced. Hmm. You know, he pats him down again. And, um, <coughs> and now, and you know, he goes to the story. He has an argument with with him. They uh, they tend to reconcile. He calls a he calls he, he goes and he, and he says, um, uh, Evan, you know, He takes one rock and he puts it up as a matzeba. Takes one rock. Then he calls to Akai to his friends, cousins, whatever, and they and says, go go get some more rocks. So they go and get all sorts of rocks to put together. And they make a gull. They make they make like just like you go, they make gall. They make a, a rock over here, and they go and eat on it. And uh, I told I told Rabbi Kaufman this. I told you this before. Anybody know the difference between gilad and gal aid? Hatseri and the gal aid. and the Take it through. <laughs> It's a pasuk on the Haftarah for uh, Tishabov. Hatsari and Begilad. There's mm -hmm. no bomb in Gilead. Sorry. So Hatsara. The Yaisan doesn't do it. All right, fine. <laughs> so now you know, now you know something you didn't know before. <laughs> okay. Okay, so that's a He gets more rocks and puts it away. <laughs> and um, and uh, this is like the opposite. Before, he took lots of rock. Yaakov took lots of rocks. It became one rock. This time he took one rock. Everybody gets together and they make a whole bunch of rocks, and now they're they're calling it. Well, you want to call it a leaked over name? It's a gal, and they ate there. Okay, so on and so forth. Uh, and they said, uh, and they said, ha mitzpah. This they called it a mitzpah, a lookout point. That Hashem will look out after us. He's going to watch. This is going to be a security camera. And if we cross this spot to do mischief, it, we're not going to do that. This is the security, and this spot's like the security camera that God's going to watch and make sure we don't do any of that. And eventually he calls it, uh, well, it's not enough. Okay, this gal is a matseva. Again, a matseva. And uh, okay, and so on and so forth. Not going to be bad over anymore. And Vayisbach Yaakov, and finally Vayisbach Yaakov Zevach. And they, they, and now they've eaten stuff, so they make a sacrifice. And that's and that's the story over here. And I think, um, and then uh, oh, I didn't finish yet. And then just to round out the story. Next thing Yaakov does, he does is he goes on his way. Uh, again, potent Pegia and Malachim. 
And he looks and he says, and he says, Machanai, there are two camps of angels over here, one from in, one going in, one going out, just like there were angels going up and down the ladder, one going in, going out. So there's, so there's uh, a reflex to the story. So now, <coughs> just to, before we get into the seum, hoping some more people come. Um, the uh, just uh, a matze, there, there, there's a difference between a, a matzeva and a mizbeach. We've had both those terms over here. So a matzeva is a single stone. Generally, you you can pour wine or, or or oil on it, but you don't generally sacrifice things on it. And it's an indicator that something from above is coming is coming down. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a commemoration of something from above coming down, whether it's the ladder standing there, whether it's Shem standing over him and promising things, or whether it's uh, a promise that's going to be made, it's something that's coming down, as opposed to a Mizbeach, which is multiple rocks, or multiple stones, and you make sacrifices on it, and it's generally a way of our saying from down here, going up there, and saying that we're being, you know, we're being thankful, we're being, we're, we're being recognized, we're, we're recognizing what Hashem has done for us, and um, in in these instances, it was it happened exactly at a transition point from Chutzla Aretz to being in Eretz Yisrael. So all these things happening is as Yaakov is making a transition um, out of Eretz Yisrael, he has uh, an experience where. Hashem, Hashem comes down, the, angel, the, well, the angels change guard, uh, Hashem comes down, all these different things happen to him, which happen almost in the reverse order. When he, when he, le when he leaves, Quran goes back to Eretz Yisrael, that they have a changing of the guards, that there's um, a lot of the same things that happen to him happen there, a lot of the same words there. So the trans it's uh, a, a, an idea that at the transition between Chutzlaretz and Haaretz, no matter where he's Crossing over to Hashem is always with him, which brings us to the uh, to the end of Masechus uh, Chagiga and the end of Seder Moed. And the last part of Chagiga uh, is talking about there was a, a, again the transition between the, the Yamtuf and the, the, the Yamtuf and the Mechol. And something really interesting happens when they described the few Mishnahs before then. During the Yantif, the Amea Oritz are considered to be the Amechaskos Tahar. So if you're selling bottles of wine or you're, and, um, and, and people touch it, you don't worry that an Amea Oritz touched it and made a tummy. Everybody's considered tar. But the minute the holiday is over, the minute the holiday is over, out goes the stuff. Want to hear no, no, it's just the opposite. We have one more coming. We have more people coming. Is Shneem Tim downstairs in the kitchen? No. He was, I think, there. He was there with the U-Wall. He was packing up, and then I saw him pull out. Okay, so I'm just laying the work so we can finish it up. So here it is. So all of a sudden, at the transition, as you go over the transition point, all of a sudden, this assumption isn't there anymore. And uh, all those, and, and, and although uh, one of the one of the rabbanim, I'll tell you in a second who it is, is um, 
Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda says, you know, once you start with it, it's okay. The other Rabbanim say, no, you have to, you have to, that's, that's it, they're all Tameh, you can sell them as Tameh stuff, but that's it with it. And there's a similar thing they talk about that the baker, that the uh, pottery makers, if they were within the uh, limits of Yerushalayim, <coughs> they assumed that the pots were Tahar. Once they're over the, if they're over the line, it's not going to be anymore. So what, what you missed basically was the beginning and end of, okay. uh, of, this par, of this Parsha and bringing a lot of things together, which I can explain to you later if you'd wish. And now we're tying it in to the Mishnah. Um, how much longer should um, I think I think it's going to have Michal Stern downstairs. Yes, then we have everyone two different times. Okay, so we set up now. We've got to compare what's what's and, and use a lot of the words we used before with the transition. With the transition from Kodesh uh, to in time, like you did with the transition was that learning here earlier? Was it shared earlier? Okay. Which so we're going to talk about Monday and Wednesday. Once I get started, the last question and is once and Thursday is uh, once everybody goes home, <coughs> or as everybody's leaving to go home, they have to be matahir all the kalim that were in the base of Mikdash that got used, who knows who touched them, and so forth. Where are you up to in your day? We're doing Hokusaka. The wine red still? Do you have a recipe? Dryer? Is that Hungarian? Depends on the name. Depends on who's giving Chabura. It's a flag I appreciate this. I appreciate all of you. Okay. And one more. Then, okay, Tzvi's on his way. Now when I when I get home, am I gonna have to go back and tell it that to to use my box is gonna go automatically? Again, if what? If you the one who who fixed this for me? Yeah. When I go back home. No, it should connect. Reconnect automatically. Wait, why don't you think it connected this time? No, because I have to put the password in. Oh, I see. Doesn't know you're supposed to be here. <laughs> I kind of lost the momentum over here. That's amazing. So you could listen to it, but the first few part is Yiddish because you're just explaining what it is. Yeah, I feel sorry. Yeah. Okay. 
Actually, sing it. That's why I never recommend it. I cannot. It's, it's very hard song. Does nobody else downstairs and come up? No, no. Three minutes. Three minutes. It's unbelievable. I really, I was, I listened to Apollo. Do you know where we are? Only back on that. What happened to? What happened to Mendel? Is it nice? Can't say no. Beautiful. No, it's, it's, it's something like I've never heard. Maybe you should have your mattress, yes. Okay, your mattress, yes. What? Your mattress. Do I have an extra one? So just, just to get you I back up to speed. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 You is is, is uh, he just hurt his car. Oh. <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> I didn't he does the I said the super like a certain noise. Is that related to losing all the You know, the car is dead. You're going to be here. Sweet car. Oh, the easiest to get. Okay. Oh. Uh, okay, I'm not you're gonna have to get, we're have to get the build up, but basically we're talking about transitions. We talked about Yakov's uh, transitions from Kutzlorz to Eretz Yisrael, you know, both go, coming and going, and uh, Shem's presence being there. Case of Revere Latar How did they go about making the uh, Zara stuff uh, tar again after all the untold people walking through there? Like, there's a Kayo Shah Yubi and uh, they would uh, be, uh, they, would, they would dip all the uh, utensils over in the mikdash, and they would say, "Yisrael shel tigu, tigu b'shulchan," in the words of Zbunora, "v'titamahu." Be careful that you don't touch the uh, t- the table and the menorah and make it um, <coughs> make it tummy. And uh, well, what, what the, co- the Kohanim are going to do it? But there's some people, there's some of the who say that they actually carried it out. Into the uh, into the Ezra uh, Israel and show them look at the lechem panim and put it back, and they couldn't tovel it because you had on it all the time the lechem panim and it stayed warm the whole week and fresh the whole week and that was a sign that just like we had with uh, with uh, Yaakov's dreams and so forth and the lechem coming down Hashem's presence is always there even at the, particularly at the transition points He's helping us make the transition. And similarly, they couldn't uh, tumble the menorah either. Why? Because you have the Naramaravi that's in there. That was always lit. And that was another sign Hashem's presence is always there. Now, there's, uh, in, the, in the Gemara this morning, we're talking about, you know, wh- how come the, the was it Shulchan Makabal Tumor or not? And you have Rabbi Yochanan who says, well, yeah, it is because the main, th- the, the wood is nothing, and the main thing that covers it, <coughs> the gold that covers it, is metal. And that's going to get uh, that's going to get tummy. And uh, on the other hand, you had Rish Lukish saying, "No, that's not the case. It was it was uh, as a sheet team, which is very hush of wood. So the uh, covering was buttled to the flat piece of wood, and therefore it wouldn't uh, become tummy. So this this brings up in, and the word they use, and we'll, we'll get to that in a second uh, later on." Uh, okay. They had they had seconds and thirds, had even more than that. They got uh, in the course of the day. If they got tamei, they just bring the second one in there. Uh, and they all needed to have tefillah, except for the two 
the two altars, uh, one outside and the and the and the one inside, They're connected to the ground. Different Rabbi Eliezer. What the Chachamim say? Mipnei Shehem Mitzupim. We're talking about Yitzef Hashem. That when they talk when they were eating at the at the Galade, there's the Hamitzpah Yitzef. So they use the same term again to say that they're covered over. That they're that, that they're they're covered over uh, with with metal. And uh, we should all be uh, from this. Uh, we should all be Mitzapa of Yeshua. And uh, let's see what else I, I looked over. I, I think we I think we're fine. I don't have to do the rest of this thing. So uh, we should be with Shuva, and we should uh, all uh, grow in in, in Torah and learning the Zokat Mashiach and being a base maker. Amen. East is this way. Um, okay, let me get let me get the Kaddish on my uh, set up on my thing here. It's very clear in the new Kahatim Mishnah. You wanna? Yeah, blue stuff. Okay, Kelpo, is there a sitter in this room? Is there another one? Yeah, there is. Another one. I saw one of the sitters. That's okay. What I need doesn't matter. Paper version. They have it even the kudos in there. Right. Amen. <laughs> 